This episode was made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. For more information, please visit patreon.com slash author Chris Lester. I strive to make this podcast a safe and inclusive place for my listeners. If I've missed any content warnings, please let me know. Content warnings for this episode include strong language, mature themes, and explicit sexual content, including female-female sex and acts of dominance and submission. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to The Raven and the Writing Desk, the weekly podcast about the writings of Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. This is episode 326. Greetings, listeners. Welcome to The Raven and the Writing Desk. I am Chris Lester, your guide to the fantastical world of Metamore City. You can learn more about me and my work at chrislester.org and metamorecity.com. Each week, I bring you a piece of my fiction, fresh off the writing desk. I'll also tell you the latest on my writing endeavors. So let's get right to it. Here is this week's story. Today I'm bringing you Chapter 9 of Honor Bound by L.C. Williams. If you're new to the show, don't start here. Go back to Episode 318 to hear this story from the beginning. The following recap will contain spoilers. On the night of the debutante's ball, Honor Hin Bellevue has been cornered in the washroom by Natasha Volkova, one of the Duke's guards. Honor has been acting suspiciously, and in the washroom, Natasha found her hiding a beautiful necklace inside a makeshift pocket in her petticoat, cut from the fabric of her own undergarments. Very pretty, Natasha said. Who did you take this from, little thief? Honor protested that the amulet was a gift from her mother, but there's something wrong with it. After putting it on, Honor started seeing vivid images of people in acts of sexual debauchery. She made the pocket in order to keep the amulet safe until the ball is over. Natasha was highly skeptical of this story, and after slipping the necklace around her own neck, she announced, I see no magic fucking people. There were other holes in Honor's story as well. For instance, why couldn't she give the amulet to one of her relatives to hold for her? Surely someone in her family has pockets. Honor fell silent, embarrassed and humiliated. The fact that she was innocent didn't matter when this guard had already made up her mind about her. The best thing she could do was to stay calm, to stay reasonable. This was all a misunderstanding, one that could hopefully be resolved quietly, without causing further shame to fall on her and her house. As Honor submitted to Natasha's control, the big woman's attitude softened. She helped Honor dress and marched the suspected thief upstairs via the servant's staircase, away from the guests and their many valuables. Honor realized that she was in this woman's power, but she also realized that she had an escape route. If she shouted for help, others would come running to investigate. Once someone recognized her, she would be freed immediately. It would be an immense humiliation for everyone involved, but Honor would be safe. She can do whatever she likes with you, Honor thought, for as long as you let her. 
and with that thought the fear was met with a tingling thrill of excitement. Honor thought of the fantasies the amulet had shown her, of herself being dominated, controlled, taken by powerful women. Perhaps this tall, strong guard would be the one to bring those fantasies to life. Natasha locked them inside her quarters, pocketed the key, and turned to consider her prisoner. The girl had become strangely submissive and quiet. When Natasha told her that she needed to search her for weapons, she saw the lust that burned in Honor's eyes. "'Then I suppose you had better search me thoroughly, Miss Natasha,' the girl said huskily. "'Very thoroughly.' For Natasha, a sexual dominant who often enjoyed the pleasures of the local sensualists, this was all the invitation she needed. Clearly, this pretty little thief had found something she wanted more than gold or jewels. Natasha was more than willing to give it to her. She took the girl to bed, stripped her out of her clothes, and used the training the sensualists had given her, driving honor to the heights of ecstasy. Honor Bound, The House of Bellevue, Book One, written by L.C. Williams, narrated by Vivian Ferrari. Chapter Nine, Trapped. Three orgasms crashed through Honor's body under Natasha's strong and nimble fingers, each one following hard on the heels of the last. Honor shook and moaned and cried out, tears streaming down her face at the sheer enormity of the sensations running through her. The big woman held her tightly throughout, one arm wrapped across her chest, enveloping her as firmly as any corset. She felt completely controlled, completely possessed, completely at Natasha's mercy, and she reveled in it. She had never felt anything so perfect— so right. At last, Natasha relented, and Honor sank back bonelessly against her, panting for breath. The guard laid her down gently on the bed, her head resting on the one thin pillow, then leaned over and kissed her tenderly on the lips. Was good for you? she asked. Honor giggled, feeling a bit delirious. Gods, yes. I never knew it could be like that. She shook her head slightly. I've used my own hands before, but it's not the same. Not at all. Natasha's eyebrows rose. You have not been with other women before? Honor shook her head again. With men? Natasha persisted. No, Honor said softly. That was... You were my first. A slow grin spread over the blonde woman's face. It made her look somewhat foolish, like an overgrown child. A charming transformation, given how frightening she had seemed when Honor first met her. Well then, she said, I am glad I could make it good experience for you. Very good, yes, Honor said, grinning back at her. Natasha gave her another peck on the lips, then walked to the far corner of the room and unlocked the chest. Curious, Honor sat up against the headboard to watch. 
She saw the guard crouching in front of the chest and rummaging around in it, but couldn't tell what she was looking for. What about you? she asked. You didn't. I mean, I haven't done anything for you yet. Aren't you excited? Natasha turned to look at her over her shoulder, flashing that grin again. Do not worry. I am having fun. She turned back around and continued searching through the trunk. But I also have job. So now we mix work with pleasure. Ha! She made a triumphant sound as she pulled something out of the chest. When she turned around, Honor saw that she was holding a large coil of rope. What's that for? Honor said, feeling her eyes go wide. Natasha walked back up to the bedside, leaned over, and kissed her again. The ink discreet, she said, with the satisfaction of someone who had learned a new word and was using it for the first time. She extended a hand toward Honor, palm up. Give me wrist. Honor tucked her hands in close to her chest. Her eyes flicked to the hand, the rope, and back to Natasha's gray eyes. A fresh flutter of fear danced in her stomach. Why? So I can tie you to bed, the guard said, as if this were obvious. A confusing tangle of emotions ran through Honor at the words. Tied to the bed? She imagined herself in that position, utterly helpless, with a naked Natasha looming over her. With all the visions she had received from the amulet, it wasn't even hard to picture. Her sex twinged with anticipation at the thought, but she also felt a growing sense of dismay. She was missing the ball. It was supposed to be her big night, her night to shine, and instead she was here, locked in a dingy little servant's room, having shameful, tawdry relations with a house guard. If anyone finds out about this, I shall never live it down. It will be my mother's story all over again. Natasha must have misread her face, because her expression quickly grew serious. She sat down on the chair and looked Honor in the eyes. I promise I will not hurt you, she said gently. Captain Hansen says party crashers must be detained until ball is over. We cannot have pickpockets stealing from guests, duh? Honor opened her mouth to protest at this, but Natasha held up a hand. Just hear me, she said. I like you. I do not want to see you go to jail as thief. So I offer deal. You tell me who to give necklace back to. I keep you safe here so no one bothers you, and so you do not get sticky fingers again. She gave Honor a stern, reproving look, but ruined it a moment later when she grinned. I even bring you food, and maybe when ball is over, we have more fun. She winked at this, and Honor felt another distracting flutter of desire. Then I let you go. No police, no charges. Is good deal. She held out her hand again expectantly. Honor frowned, thinking hard. Is there anything I can say that will persuade you I'm not a thief? Natasha's expression turned wry. Why, 
You have better story than magic fucking amulet and family with no pockets. Honor sighed. No, because it's the truth. Not the family with no pockets, she added. My family just hates my mother, and if I gave them her amulet, I might not get it back. She was... well, it's all very embarrassing. She threw up her hands. Everything about this is embarrassing. That part, I believe, Natasha said. She seemed to consider for a moment. What about this? I dress you and take you back down to Ball. You bring me to leader of your house. If he knows you, I give you back to him. Honor felt a surge of hope. Yes, yes, I accept. Thank you. She paused as she realized the flaw in this plan. Wait, what about my amulet? Natasha held up a finger. I keep amulet until tomorrow. If it is stolen, someone will be asking for it. If not... I return to you. Honor's heart sank. This was so unfair. She hadn't been doing anything wrong, and now she had to leave her mother's amulet in the hands of a stranger. A commoner. All because the woman had looked at her for a few seconds and decided she was suspicious. She was tempted to tell Natasha to just tie her up and be done with it. At least she might get some more of whatever this was. This wonderful feeling of being possessed and controlled and dominated. Her sex throbbed again at the thought of that, and she glared down accusingly at her own traitorous body. She felt ashamed of herself for wanting something so perverse. I truly am my mother's daughter. Well, never mind that. She would not be ruled by her feelings like her mother had been. She was Lady Honor now, and by all the gods, she would live up to that name. It was time to end this game. Summoning up all the dignity she could muster, she straightened her back and raised her chin at Natasha. What is your name? she asked. Your full name, I mean. Natasha cocked her head, looking puzzled. Why does it matter? Because, Honor sniffed. If my necklace is not returned to me by ten o'clock tomorrow morning, I will report you to the police as a thief. The guard drew back, looking stung. Then her eyes narrowed, and her lip curled in anger. My name is Natasha Nikolaevna Volkova, she growled. And my word is good. Honor inclined her head slightly, then rose to her feet. Very well. I am Lady Honor of House Bellevue, and my father is Lord Harold Bellevue. If you would help me back into those clothes, you may return me to him. Natasha stared at the girl for a long moment, trying to make sense of this sudden transformation. They'd been having a wonderful time— Honor had been giggling and smiling and responding with obvious enthusiasm to Natasha's attentions. She'd been acting like a person and one who was glad of her company. But now, in an instant, she had gone all cold and imperious and high-handed. She had even dared to accuse Natasha of being a thief when she was just taking very reasonable precautions with a person who'd given every sign that she'd been caught red-handed. 
and in a sudden flash of clarity and horror, an explanation fell into place. The girl was highborn, and that was her problem. She was a sexual submissive, but she was attracted to other women. How then could she find someone to dominate her in a culture where all women were expected to be submissive? She could not get what she needed from the members of her own class. It would have been shameful for her to even discuss the matter. She could have gone to a sensualist and arranged a scene, but if she hadn't grown up in a large city, she might not know that. Many of the country barons lived far from the capital. So what to do? Apparently, the ironically named Honor had decided to stage a scene on her own, make a show of acting like a pickpocket at an event where such actions could not be ignored, and then withdraw to the ladies' washroom, where only a female guard could follow. She had even removed her drawers. Gods, it was so obvious now. The manipulative little wretch had played her like a fiddle from start to finish, staging the crime so that she could be caught and play out her fantasy. And Natasha, like a fool, had played her part exactly to the script— probably beyond the girl's wildest expectations, in fact. And now that Honor had gotten what she wanted from her, she had put her noblewoman's mask back on, and she would walk away from the whole business. There was nothing Natasha could do about it. She was trapped. Honor held all the power in this situation, and she always had. If Natasha said a word in protest, the girl would have her arrested— accuse her of theft, and probably worse. And between a noble's word and a commoner's, there was no question whom the courts would believe. Nobles always protect their own. She thought of Major Rutgers, all his war crimes swept quietly under the rug, while Natasha was forced to start her life over with only the clothes on her back and a little cash in her pocket. Her fists shook with remembered rage. The girl continued to look at her expectantly, saying nothing. Smug little bitch. Well, fine. She may have won this little game she had engineered for them, but Natasha would not give her the satisfaction of gloating about it. She would be a professional, and do her duty, and never give a moment's indication that she had seen the little highborn's manipulation for what it was. She would return the necklace tomorrow, and that would be the end of it and good riddance. Natasha had no time for games, especially ones she wasn't allowed to win. Wordlessly, she rose and snatched the corset from the floor. She handed it stiffly back to Honor, who fastened it around her, and then presented her back to Natasha. Natasha pulled the laces tight around her, and she was not gentle about it. The girl probably enjoyed that, but Natasha didn't care. She imagined that she was tying Honor to the chair instead, and nursed her fantasies of what she would have done to the little sub if this had been a real scene, and not one she'd been manipulated into. She finished dressing Honor in stony silence, then pulled out her key and unlocked the door. She was just about to open it when a knock sounded on the opposite side. Nat! Irene hissed. Nat, are you in there? Quickly, Natasha opened the door. Irene looked flustered and out of breath, her cravat slightly askew. Thank the gods, Irene said, 
the words tumbling out in a rush. We need your help. One of the debutantes is missing. We've been looking all over the grounds. Lizzie said you'd caught a thief, but I think maybe they're actually kidnappers. Honor stepped into view of the doorway, her head held as high as her tiny stature permitted. Irene's voice caught in her throat, her eyes going wide. There is no thief, she said coolly. And there are no kidnappers. I'm afraid this has all been a terrible misunderstanding. I am Lady Honor, and if it is not too much trouble, I would like to return to the ball now. Irene stared, her mouth falling open. Her eyes went from Honor to Natasha and back to Honor again. Oh, Nat. Her voice trembled as she spoke. Nat, honey, what did you do? And that's the end of Chapter 9. Come back next time when we'll find out just how much trouble Natasha is in. Chapters of the House of Bellevue will be released once per week for 51 weeks. If you'd like to listen to the story faster, all three books are available now on Amazon and Audible. To find out more about these characters and their world, please visit www.authorlcwilliams.com. Nora Roberts said, You can't edit a blank page. So, let's see what I've put on the page this week. It's time for the weekly writing report. This update covers the week of April 23rd through April 29th. I wrote 2,098 words this week, over the course of 3.5 hours, for an average writing speed of 599 words per hour. I wrote on 4 out of 7 days this week. This week I finally made some real progress on my Alex story, Out of the Shadows. I finished Chapter 6, and brought the manuscript up to over 16,000 words. We're on the home stretch now, and I expect to be able to wrap up the story in the next two chapters or so. If you're subscribed to my Patreon at the $3 level or higher, I've put chapters 5 and 6 up on the feed for your reading enjoyment. This update has been a long time coming, and I want to thank all my patrons for sticking with me through the long dry spell this winter and spring. Hopefully now the dam is broken, and this will be the start of more frequent and consistent updates. If you like what I'm doing on this show and want to help me keep making it, becoming a patron is the very best way to support me. For just a few dollars a month, you can get access to the first drafts of my stories as I'm writing them, plus sneak peeks, cover reveals, character bios, and other cool stuff. To get started, go to www.patreon.com slash author Chris Lester. Take a look at the donation tiers and choose the one that's right for you. And if you're already a patron, thank you so much. You help make this show possible. If you'd like to share your thoughts about the show, send your feedback in text or audio to metamorecityfeedback at gmail.com. To leave a voicemail, dial area code 641-715-3900, then enter extension 255-082, followed by the pound sign. 
My Facebook is facebook.com slash author Chris Lester. The fan group is fans of Metamore City on Facebook. And our Discord server is Metamore City. I'm there pretty often, so come say hi. If you like this show, please consider leaving a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podchaser.com. It really helps people find the show. That's all for this week. I'll be back next time with more fresh new fiction. Until then, keep it on the bright side. This is Chris Lester, signing out. The contents of this podcast are copyright 2022 by Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. The show is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives License. So don't change it, don't sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. For more information about this license, please visit creativecommons.org.